Welcome to a brand new episode of Tile Light Talk. This is Casey. And this is Chris. And we're about to get solo. Soloed out this episode. So get your red cups. Fill them up with your favorite beverage. <laughs> favorite blue or green milk. Right. <laughs> um yeah, we you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get all in it. Uh so we saw this, I saw opening night in IMAX. How did you see it, Chris? Saturday, big screen. Okay. You didn't do the D-Box or whatever, right? I haven't done D-Box yet. I, okay. uh, I couldn't remember. I want to. I might do it with this movie. I've been thinking, I was going to do it with Justice League, and I was like, no, that movie does not deserve my time in theaters. Um, so this might be my, my opportunity. I'll tell you what would be even better, and obviously this isn't a this isn't that podcast, but Infinity War would be better if you saw yeah. the second time because that movie is nonstop. The problem is it's just like IMAX where it's it's in there for the amount of time it takes for the next blockbuster to get in. So oh, okay. it sucks. So I missed I missed that window. Whatever. Um, but yeah, Han Solo. So let's get into some bad news first of all. Um, well, let's let's, let's pre- preface it with the fact that the low expectations that we both had going into this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I I saw this movie with um, there's three other friends of mine who all went, um, and then there was another couple of guys that I knew from work who also went, and. It was funny because, you know, the guys from work were like, what's, you know, what do you think? And I go, my expectations are negative. Like, with all of the controversy behind Lord and Miller getting kicked off, and even though I like Ron Howard, he's a capable director coming on, it's still like, and, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a movie that I don't care about. Um, because nobody, nobody asked for a Han Solo movie. There was not one fan who said, I really want to know about young Han Solo. Everybody is asking for an Obi-Wan movie. Some people are asking about Boba Fett. A little bit are asking about Yoda. But nobody asked for this movie. So I just didn't care. And and Chris, absolutely. I mean, you could tell him. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't even going to go see it this week. This past weekend, opening weekend. I um, I was going to make my one viewing worth going to get the glass, the Mondo glass from Alamo Drafthouse, as I usually do. Oh, yeah. Are you doing uh, that still? Cause, I am. I am yeah. But Alamo is being very weird about their ticket sales. You can only buy them three days out on their website, um, hmm. which I don't really understand. So waiting to see. Maybe they're trying to see how they're going to shuffle the theaters and see how the movie did in theaters. That's another right. thing. Maybe um, that's that, yeah, because if it, if it did well, maybe they would keep it in a couple. So, um but those glasses will last. I bet you'll sell them individually as well. Uh, so I'll be on that. But, you know, until you texted on Thursday night the the green light, I wasn't going that weekend. And you know what? And this speaks, this speaks volumes as well. I was able to get online that Thursday and buy tickets for the Saturday morning show. So, you Which know, is unheard of for a Star Wars movie. Unheard of when you are waiting in queues for like hours to get your tickets or you just can't get on Fandango at all. Um, I've been lucky last last few viewings of Star Wars movies since the Lucasfilm has been putting them out. But um, yeah, it's it's it was unheard of. 
Yeah, so the theater was packed opening night. Um, had a good crowd, good reactions, all that stuff. But you could tell it was a different vibe than every... I mean, we've been going to see Star Wars movies since 1997 when they reissued the... Uh, when they did the special editions. And we've been waiting in line since 1997. So for 20... Geez, that makes us old. 21 years. Sure does. <laughs> we've been waiting in line for Star Wars movies and um, there's always a vibe. There's an energy. There's a, ooh, what's going to happen? And how are they going to do this? And blah, 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 blah. And this was just like, hope this is good. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see. Did I waste my 16 bucks? I mean, really, that was the vibe. And yep. I, you know, we'll get into our full reactions later, but I, everyone that I went with was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's that's generally what I'm getting um, from people I speak to, what I read online. You know, wow. stands the, <laughs> the usual haters. Listen, I have I we'll talk about this. I'll I'll bring this more up at the end, but um, there's I just feel like there's just there's so much hate and cynicism in this world now that it's like it's just too disgusting for me to even like get upset about that it that it really bleeds into pop culture this bad um, that people can't have fun anymore. So we'll get to that at the end. Uh, but yeah, this movie, it was, it, it faced some trials and tribulations uh, as it headed to the theaters. And you know what? Overall the theater, when I was sitting in that theater, everybody's laughing, clapping, having a great time. So let's put it this way. Don't let the numbers fool you. Get out there and see this movie first, and then make your own mind up about um, what direction Disney is taking Star Wars. Right. So let's get into that. Right. Holiday weekend sales. This is four day sales. Yeah. <laughs> $103 million domestic. And I think it made another like 64 maybe, overseas. It bombed in China, which blows my mind when like Terminator Genesis. Like, and I don't mind, I actually like that movie, but that movie made like some disgusting amount of money, like $350 million or something. But it's just <sighs> money talks. And right now they financially have a bomb. And this is the first time that Star Wars has a chink in its armor. And as much as word of mouth, I think won't let it dip significantly. I still think it's going to – I think word of mouth is going to make it dip like 40% instead of like 67 or something. I think there's going to be more people seeing it next weekend who heard from their friends and not critics that they liked it and they don't understand it and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I think more people are going to go see it this weekend. But, man, that is the worst <laughs> Star Wars opening, uh, you know. And since since episode one, you know, it's just the worst. That's it. That's what it comes down to. It is. Bottom line. And then, I mean, there's plenty of other little things that we can throw in there saying, yeah, it's 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 a few months after The Last Jedi. Should Disney be releasing Star Wars this quickly? Um, You know what? In terms of that? Yes. I don't I feel like. If if this movie was on the right track, it would it would probably have done better. It would probably would have had a better 
you know, thought people had a better thought process going into it. I don't know. Maybe who knows? But you look at what they're doing with the Marvel, um, the whole Marvel thing, and they're they're up to three movies a year now, where that can just comfortably exist together, and 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 everybody loves it, goes to go see them, and you know, if there's not a great movie, you know, it's the same kind of same kind of thing. It's just, um, I just think people, we need to get past the effect that Star Wars is one of the biggest blockbusters of our time. And the fact that there will be bombs that we can't we can't uh, line up the word bomb with a film like this that is actually a really good outing. And how do, how do you get past that? That's that's I guess that's the big thing. I mean, the Last Jedi screwed this movie. Oh, absolutely. It's I don't even know because you know I Chris Seaver and I talked about it on Gourmet Scum, which should be out. Um, you guys should already have listened to it if you haven't, but, uh, and you know, I said the same thing. Oh, Marvel has been doing it, but he, you know, made a good point. Marvel has been doing it for 10 years. They've got the fan base. They, they, even at the worst Marvel movie is still a good movie. You know what I mean? And they've got the reputation behind them. Whereas star Wars, it's had a Rocky. The prequels are Rocky. Yeah. you know, um, we live in a weird world now where everyone can talk about everything and sit behind their computers. And, you know, that wasn't as big of a thing back in the early 2000s. So that, like, is The Force Awakens, as much as people say they didn't like it, they clearly liked it because it made oh, it. Yeah. And the same thing with Rogue One. It did make a lot of money. The Last Jedi was so divisive that I think it was almost like a Phantom Menace type thing where the people who hated it still saw it again and again, wondering, did this actually happen? And then they came to the conclusion that it, it was bad in their minds. And, you know, why would you want to immediately, you know, five months later, go see another star Wars movie, one that's been plagued since the beginning. So in that sense, I get it. (laughs) I understand why it didn't make that much money. I totally do. And it's hard for us who enjoyed it to then try to convince people, well, no, this one's different. This one's fun. This one, you know what I mean? Because you got burned bad with The Last Jedi. And even us who like it, (laughs) there's a couple tweaks that they could have made that made that movie great and acceptable. When people go and give me arguments against The Last Jedi, I don't even fight them because A, you can't fight with those kind of people, but B, they're not 100% wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. So, anywho, that's the box office side of things. So, uh, let's get into these characters. Um, and, uh, you know, some old ones and some new ones got introduced. And, uh, you know, first things out of the bat, we get introduced to Han Solo. Like, what do you think? We got Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. I personally thought he was the best character in the movie. I thought that this kid um, was a good actor. I thought I'm watching Han Solo. I didn't think about Harrison Ford, and I, I shouldn't think about Harrison Ford because that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to be him. It's just it's not going to work. But for me, I was like, this is Han Solo. And I bought it the entire way through, right from the first seconds of that movie where I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is a, this is a brash 
character. He thinks that he knows everything, but clearly doesn't. He screws up all the time. He's trying to talk his way out of things like this, this Han Solo. And to the Kasdan's credit, they wrote an insanely good script, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the same team as you on this. I, you know, going into this movie, we had no idea how this kid was going to react. The first thing that really got me into his camp was when he stopped Lord and Miller, when he was the one that basically whistle blew that whole situation to Kathleen Kennedy. And right. the fact that he wanted, he felt like they were doing something to the character that was out of line that he he knew wasn't going to please the fans because he knew what Han Solo was supposed to be. I really felt like from the beginning, this kid, um, I mean, they picked him for a reason, right? Um, so uh, all those casting calls and all that kind of stuff. I also, from the beginning of that movie, because I've read things and heard things where people are like, you know what, he really doesn't get his Han chops until the end of the movie. I was like, okay, let's see how that really pans out. And I I saw it from the beginning. I could, like just... His his the way he carried himself, yep. his face, all you know, he did a very good job. Uh, so I agree, he was he was my favorite character in the movie, as he should be. Um, I went into it thinking like you know um, Donald Glover was going to you know steal the show, which he does, but you know what? Not as much as I really thought he would. And um, and uh, what's his name? Alden really. You know, just elevates that character for me. Uh, so, thinking about it though, in terms of how they handled Solo in the past, is they gave him a very, they gave him the orphan background, you know, which is interesting uh, compared to the fact that, like, um, in the books, he had he, his family was kind of well to do. Uh, like, his uncle was a big, like, uh, mogul on Corellia and stuff in like the that. EU. In the EU, right. Yeah, the so, legends. I mean, so this is really interesting that another total shift of um, of backstory to make it more Disney, uh, to make it the Disney way. So very cool with that. Uh, the I loved seeing Corellia. That was that sold me on the movie from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, something that we haven't seen yet. Something that's been talked about in Star Wars, Star Wars lore for forever um also mentioned the fact that han solo books were one of the first expanded universe books before even zahn launched that whole whatever happened for 20 years uh but yeah those the han and lando books are two of the most original eu pieces so that's that's a that's an interesting interesting thing too yeah we'll get into some of the easter eggs because the kasdan's clearly mind from the expanded universe and even some weird places <laughs> like didn't think yeah. they'd go to Absolutely. Um, Chewbacca. Uh, my opinion, the best Chewbacca we've ever seen. I mean, the dude yeah. had emotions. He was running up and down. I mean, like obviously it's a younger Chewbacca in a way, but it's just because they got, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the actor's name. It's something very Swedish. Um, I don't know. He was just, you know, it was great. I love that Chewbacca. Um, you know, <laughs> he was the in their dynamic, that you know, their relationship was pretty awesome. Like seeing him as the beast as the introduction, I was like, it's Chewbacca. I knew it was Chewbacca, and it was yeah. just, it was really cool, really, really cool. Junis Suotamo. Cool. Thanks. Because that's even how you pronounce it. Sure. Uh, 
the gentleman has been playing Chewbacca since the Force Awakens now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, with Peter Mayhew and his his you know being older and not being able to walk that well anymore, it's unfortunate. But um, you know, Disney has a plan for everything. So, you know, what? I love Chewbacca in this movie. I mean, he's this is one of the main reasons they did this movie. Chewbacca is like that character that they're gonna you know that Disney can really get money behind and sell and and do that kind of stuff. Um, and seeing that Chewbacca was one of the first main characters they killed off in the EU, this is a big change too. So I never liked that they killed Chewbacca off in the book. In the books, it was stupid. Um, Chewbacca is such a big, big character that. Well, I mean, way later. I mean, we're... not really. It was like the second big. It was the second big series in the in the EU. But I'm saying after. Jedi. Yeah, after Jedi. we're talking Jedi. ten years before. Right, but we're also talking about the fact that he lives within the next trilogy too. So I mean, they're obviously changing that. Like I said, they're changing the they're changing the uh, scope of what happened before to really fit into what they want to do and expand these characters that really work well in the Disney, you know, the Disney machine, whatever. Chewbacca works very well for that machine. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, uh, Lando played by Eddie ripped people's arms off. Yes, he did, which that is was great. That we've been waiting for for years. For. Yeah, that was years great. for. He didn't beat him with him, but he's like, here, you want him? <laughs> he was beating a lot of people up. He was. Yeah. Uh, Lando, uh, played by Donald Glover. To me, be, maybe because people had hyped it up so much, I thought he was good. Yeah. I mean, I like Donald Glover as an actor to begin with, but I wasn't like this is Lando. I was just like, that's Lando. He's fine. I I feel a little bit more that I was a little more like I was smiling and, and, and everything just because of that, the voice and the way he was able to capture that. Cause when he, when Han walks into that Sabag den or whatever he is in, and you hear Lando talking in the background, it's just, that's Billy. He's just channeling Billy D Williams right there. And it's, he does a good job with that. And he adds another level to a, to the character with the the Kellerisian Chronicles. Yes, and that was that was hilarious. I mean, I I really did like him a lot. But when people are championing for uh, a Lando you movie, know, a Lando movie, yeah. that I'm like, uh, no, we don't <laughs> this, need that. This kid needs, or sorry, you know, he needs to be with Han. That's it. I don't want to see his own second movie. That dynamic was that was fun. Because they are, they are very opposite characters. Um, it makes me wonder, uh, and I do need to read that book, how much more interactions they have before Empire, you know? So that'll, that's a good question. I mean, they're... So we're, he's referring to Last Shot, um, which I'm about 75% finished. Actually, probably about 85% finished with, um, which is a really fun book and you get more dynamic between Han Solo and Lando and Chewie. So I would highly recommend checking out this book. It's been very, very good actually. Um, but they, yeah, you know, they have interaction. It, the book takes place after. Um, so it takes place, sorry, two years after Jedi, but it also goes in flashbacks and takes place a certain time after the, this movie, but they've been friends. He has the, like 
it's kind of weird how that is. You know, there's clearly more room to mine, you know, these relationships. So, um, okay, L3. Uh, L3 was played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, you know, did you buy into the social justice warrior uh, droid? I did and I didn't. I, I, um, I don't know if buying into it, it's laughing along with it because it's so, it's, it's kind of obscure just the way they did it. It's, it was kind of out of left field, especially some of the, the, the more adult comments she would make. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was a great character at the same time where it was just, I didn't really expect, I didn't expect her to be so dynamic, to be honest with you. Um, the, and the thing about, um, one of the things about her being inserted in the Millennium Falcon is that that's kind of the opposite of what she would have wanted. So it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird start and end for that character. I don't know. I yeah. like the Droid Rebellion. I love the Droid Rebellion. It was just too much. The Droid Rebellion was cool. Um, someone wrote an article about on Collider about, how evil that was that she got inserted into the Falcon yeah. and how it it went against, you know, her beliefs. That's what, that's the article I'm referencing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I was, I read the comment section. People were so mad about that article on Collider, but, um, whatever. I guess like for me, like I, I get it. Like she's toned down in the book. Like I really like her in the book, but in the movie, like where she just kept fighting Lando about everything and then they would like not, and they'd have like a nice, like normal relationship, like as friends and co-pilot and blah, blah, blah. It was just kind of like, why are you fighting this dude? You clearly care about him. You maybe even sort of have a sexual relationship with each other. (laughs) And like, I just, it was just like too much sometimes. Like overall I liked her, but there was times where I was just like, can you just like, go along with your partner and not fight them every step of the way. That's like, that's like 60% of the marriages out there, man. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's like every relationship. So I, you know, that, that, that dynamic <laughs> is like, that reminded me just of you know, like oh, you and your wife. <laughs> yeah, anybody, anybody and their wife and their husband or whatever, you know, yeah, partner, or partner, you know yeah. it's like, it's just like, I thought that dynamic was good. And I, it really, I, I thought it worked well enough, and it was just—it was a surprise because it was another droid personality added to this this huge galaxy where where droids do have personalities. I mean, it's like go back to like Kotor with the with the assassin droid. It's like one of my one of my favorite things when he's talking about meat bags and and murdering people, you know. And it's like just because he's he hates humans, you know. So it's it's fun when they actually really give a droid personality. Um, I agree. You know, BB-8 works really well because he's cute. He doesn't really need to say anything. He just is cute, and the actors play off the script with him. So, I mean, they've done a good job with that so far. Agreed. Um, Kira, played by Emily Clark. Um, good. Yeah. You know, I, some people thought that their quote-unquote love story was rushed. I didn't feel that way. I felt like they were street rats together. Who knows what happened before we even met them. I felt that that made sense to me. Um, What happened with her turn at the end is very interesting. 
Yeah. Um, that was a little like, oof, okay, what has happened for this chick for, it's been like three years. Like this girl's had some, some things happen to her. So I, I liked her a lot. I definitely thought she was way better than she was in um, Terminator. And you know what I mean? Like it, because in that movie, I didn't think she was a good actress. And no. as Daenerys, she's a good actress, but she's playing one role. This was a different type of role for her, and it showed me, okay, this girl can act, and, and I like her. So, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. Uh, her her turn to the dark at the end is... Is, is, is it a turn? <laughs> you know? Like, that's the thing. It's, it's just power grabbing, is what it is. She, you know, she comes from nothing. Yeah. I mean, if she goes with Han, she still has nothing. You know, she has love. She has all this stuff, but yeah. But is that really what you what she wants? No, she wants that. Like she wanted that power from the beginning, from take it from her boss or boss boss. His name Dryden Voss. Boss Voss. Um, so that's that's really what I see there. It's it's just wanting to climb the ladder of the crime syndicate, and power is power in the Star Wars universe. How are you going to turn that down? And I, sorry, I said Emily Clark, Amelia Clark, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amelia Clark. Um, Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. Uh, he was a cool character. Um, knew he wasn't going to last the movie, you know, but his introduction, like that whole scene in the war, like that was awesome. Like that's what we wanted. I mean, they do a cool shot with that in Rogue One, like on Scarif, but. This was like, okay, we've never seen this in Star Wars. There was a lot of things that we've never yeah. seen in Star Wars before, which I was really impressed with. So that was a cool scene and showing, you know, how do I do that move? Um, the introduction to Fon's blaster, though, I was like, oh, well, okay, that was dumb. <laughs> it's just a deconstructed yeah. rifle. Okay, and he holds on to this for the next 40 years or 50 years or whatever. Okay, you could upgrade. I don't know. Good. That to me wasn't like, well, it wasn't even the same blasters that um, Beckett was using. It's like, I can't remember. What is that blaster? It's like a D. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just, to me, that introduction of that blaster, I was just like, okay, <laughs> whatever. I mean, what is, come on. we didn't mention this during the Han thing either. I mean, how he gets his name. Also like, dumb. Dumb things that actually like, eh, you know what? Fine. Yeah, I didn't. It's, they didn't bother it didn't take me out of the movie or whatever. But yeah, the solo is like. I'm trying oh, to compare okay. that solo thing to something that I just watched in movies recently that I really hated. Where it was just like, hey, <laughs> but this, yeah. this, yeah. this was like that in a way. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I can get behind it. I don't really care. <laughs> did you like Woody Harrelson? Yeah, I did like Woody Harrelson. I was, I didn't. When he got cast in this movie, I was like, ah. Uh, He's like jumping on all these sci-fi franchises. He's gonna, you know, just cover his face. But Woody Harrelson's a great actor. Um, yes. And you know what? I I didn't really. I guess maybe I just leave myself open for these things. But I didn't see his turn at the end happening. I kind of did, but I didn't because I really wanted him to be in the next movie. <laughs> like all the foreshadowing. Don't trust oh, anyone, kid. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's just like. And then, you know, the whole Han shoots first thing. I shouted that out in the theater. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? He was a good, he was a good, he was a good, much better character than I thought he was going to be in this movie. Uh, so they, 
I thought they wrote him pretty well. Yeah, he was good. Um, Vale, played by Thandie Newton. Even better. <laughs> she was good. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Honestly, I don't really have much to say about her. She was okay. No, Thandie Newton, you know, took a lot of steam through Westworld. She's a great actress. Um, and, you know, she fit really well in here. I was, you know, I was mad that at first when I was like, oh, they need to put this in the movie. They need to put this in the movie. I thought it was going to be Solo. Why is, yeah. Why is she not Sora Solo? Whatever. Sora, Sora whatever her name is. Um, but, you know, they put her in the book. Sana Staros. Yeah, Sana Staros. Um, so, put her in the book. That's cool. They're building on canon there. And the fact, you know what? Every time they introduce new things into this movie, they are just expanding on the canon even more. We got to go back to Woody Harrelson, the the <laughs> killer of Aura Singh. You know, yeah, like these yeah. little things they just throw in there, and it's like, man. And then we'll have to wait. Where does Vale show up again? Where does she show up? Yeah, she shows up in, in the movie or later yeah. on. She's you dead said in canon. No, no, they're just adding these characters to canon. Oh, you know, okay. I mean, All right, yeah. It's like, I mean, she doesn't have a big to do. She's Beckett's girlfriend or whatever, but Beckett is the killer of our sing and all that stuff. So it's to see how that really uh, plays out. And, you know, maybe we'll do a little backstory for the that that trio with Rio, who is one of my <laughs> favorite characters. Did you know who voices him? Yeah, I was like, when I, I remember when Sean Favreau got, um, added to the cast and they were like where's he gonna be and then all of a sudden when that character started talking i'm like yes yeah i didn't know until the other day i was like because when i was watching i go that just sounds like john favreau but why would he do this oh yeah he's in all of disney so that was cool he was you know anytime they introduce creatures we'll talk about that in a second like i love creatures of star wars and seeing new ones and um you know he was cool he was he was a cool little character. I like what him Star all. Wars is about. It's about it, creatures. It, it absolutely, it was, that's what blew our mind the first time you see episode four, and you're in that cantina, and you're like, "What the heck is going on?" Yeah. Um, Enfys Ness, played by Aaron Kellyman. Kellyman. Wow, what a what a what a character! I'll tell you that right now. I don't. I didn't know how that was going to play out. I didn't know how. Like, I was excited that there was a swoop bike gang in this in the first place. I love swoop bikes since I was like, <laughs> since I was a kid, since like Shadows of the Empire. Of the Empire yeah. Like when Han so- like the original Han Solo story where like, he, like he crashes Dengar in a race and that's why Dengar hates him so much. Like all that kind of crazy stuff with swoop bikes. So it's, you know, kids love motorcycles. I love swoop bikes because it was, uh, you know, it was the motorcycle for the Star Wars universe. So, I was super excited to see what this was going to play out. And that twist, that twist is great. And that, that, the whole, like when the music's playing with them or like when they reveal who she is, that twist, that all feels very much like a Ron Howard fantasy eighties movie to me. Like it gave me like Willow feels. It was like, there was something I didn't really expect at all. And that was like the twist that they were like, you know, they were the good guys. Yeah, that was. I mean, the fact that it was a female didn't like shock me, but the fact that she was right. a good guy was like, okay, that's cool. And how does that Marauder crew play into the rebels and the rebellion? Um, that's what I'm interested in. So that was that was neat. Uh, yeah, uh, 
yeah, I just, I really want to know more about like those characters now. That's that's what I love about a movie that's good. Like if a movie can kind of just inspire you to want to want to read more about, and this is what happened when I was a kid. You know, it's it gets you excited. It introduces these new elements, and then you go and you read about them, and then it just becomes part of that lore for you. And it just it this is the kind of like world building that's that's I love about these movies. This Rogue One. These are the movies that should be getting the press for Star Wars because these are the ones that will take Star Wars into the into the future if it goes anywhere. <laughs> so, it though the counter argument, it's not needed, <laughs> and I'd still rather see a movie with new characters right in the outer right. rim than I would about a young Han Solo. Right, but I mean, in this this movie did open it up like that too though you know what i mean it no I, I get it i'm just saying like i'm I, I just don't like how contained everything is right now like i yeah. do want them to go and i think they will i think with ryan johnson's trilogy i think with the with the um benioff and weiss guys i think they'll go off and create new characters and new parts of the galaxy and maybe then tie into something like black sun or crimson dawn or whatever but um I want to see new stuff. But, anywho. Dryden Voss, played by Paul Bettany. Um, who was who the original actor that Ron Howard replaced? Bettany oh, uh, the African-American guy who is in... I think he's in, like... Jeez. Uh, I can't remember at this point. He was a very good actor. I know that. And I was just, there a reason? Timing. He had something else he had to do. Right? Yeah. He couldn't go and do the reshoots. But I don't know if he was supposed to play Dryden Voss. He might have just been like something and they writ- they wrote it out. Okay. They never confirmed who he was. Interesting. Uh, but Paul Bettany did a fine job. I like that he had all these weird scars on him. I like that he collected Mandalorian armor and crystal skulls and you know, like you know, the fertility idols from Indiana Jones. <laughs> so all that was very cool. That was probably the scene that uh, George Lucas came in and <laughs> directed. <laughs> he probably goes, I'm throwing a fertility idol over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same. Um, it was a it was a threatening villain with a good personality. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one leveled. I like I like seeing the expansion of the crime syndicates in the Star Wars universe. They play such a big role. Uh, and this is something that I really wanted to see happen in this movie, and I think it was a little bit of a little bit of a microscope on that, but they did a good job of it. Um, cool. And then the last thing, couple things, just because we didn't really talk about like, or we haven't mentioned like the Empire stormtroopers. You know, we had the mud mud trooper. What is that thing? Yeah, which which one? The Mimbian, the ones in the. The ones in the war scene. So there's, there's, the, there's those guys, and the, no, there's the ones that are on Corellia. The ones on the train, which are those ones on the train. Yeah, those ones are awesome. Um, you know what I didn't see was that the the one with the cape. Did you see that one? Yeah, he was in. They're in the trenches. I must have just in missed that, that war. Yeah, well, you know why is because it's shot dark and gray and they're covered in mud and they and i was like okay they're that's them 
like but they blended in very well with the background okay um, yeah the range troopers are the ones on the train that's a that's a neat look I always that thought. was cool and then like seeing um the uh new ship the or old ship the tie fighter with the two pilot tie fighter which i remember reading about how they got rid of that because it's just way too much and it couldn't go as fast um but that was cool but and then the other big thing is the Muppets slash creatures. Um, I guess there was a lot of crap about that one lady, uh, Proxima, Lady Proxima. Um, but I thought she was cool as hell looking. I thought that scene was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was like, oh, oh my, I don't know why people get upset about that kind of stuff. That is like, those are the nightmares that our dreams are made of from her <laughs> childhood. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit, like, Oh, this is this is like this is a CGI character, and no, what the hell is the fun of that? Like, it was a mix. But right. It was cool. But that's the best part. It's like they're going back to these practical effects. They're going back to the Muppets. You know, they used Yoda puppet. You know, it's like this is what Star Wars is about, and that's why it was always kind of like turned off by the prequels because it was just it was it was fake to me. It was yeah. just like didn't look. It. it was like that's the Star Wars universe, the original trilogy pulled me in and made me feel like I was a part of that because of the fact that they could easily int- like just interlude like all these characters in these puppets. So it was, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. They did a lot of cool uh, makeup and Neil Scanlon, the effects guy, the creature effects guy. Um, I think this is probably the best creature effects out of, all the new movies so far, in my opinion, I, I just, I thought they did a really, really cool job. So, you know, and on the, uh, the yacht, you know, and that, that kind of stuff is cool. And just seeing it once is not enough. You imagine what we're going to see once you sit down and like, like comb through with it on, on DVD. Jeez. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. DVD, um, <laughs> put it in my VHS. <laughs> you got to call it these days. I had to say something the other day where I was like, oh, are you going to tape this? And the yeah. kid was like, uh, and I was like, uh, never mind, record. <laughs> I still say that. I don't give a fuck. People look at me, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> uh, don't, even, don't look at me. So this is, this is a good time to take a real quick commercial break. We'll be right back. From these taped commercials. <laughs> I'm Chris. And I'm Casey from Gourmet Scum Radio. We're two cousins talking about geeky pop culture stuff. You a fan of television, music, and movies of the 80s? (laughs) Well, we are too. Do you like being transported to galaxies far, far away and the threat of troglodytes that go boom in the night? Well, we're going to geek out about it. Have you ever scared yourself listening to ska music while reading a comic book and sipping on a tasty Jones soda? Then this is the podcast for you! Gourmet Scum Radio is here to tickle your holes and make you believe in dynamite explosions right again! Make sure to check us out on Stitcher and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter and check out our website at don'tforgetatowel.com. You won't regret it! Yeah, the bugger is. She's a big one, ain't she? Oi! Over 20 points of articulation, great sculpting, and look at the paint job on her. 
We've been looking all over for this one. Let's get them in our sights and end this hunt now. All right. All right. Steady. Steady now. Got him! It's the pursuit of plastic. Listen to the podcast from the creators of Don'tForgetAtowel.com. Geek out about toy news, hunting, and histories on your favorite collectibles. And we are back after those awesome commercials. Thank you so much. They really are. They really, really are. Um, let's get into the soundtrack a bit here. Um, the overall soundtrack is composed by John Powell, uh, who worked on the How to Train Your Dragon movies, which those soundtracks are fantastic. His uh, track for... Jeez, um, I'm going to screw it up. Hold on, I got it here. Meet Han is my is my standout track and i've been listening to the soundtrack since the movie uh came out last week um but then also john williams did the opening uh soundtrack which is the adventures of han and i'm gonna say something blasphemous here in saying that i enjoy the john powell more than i enjoy the john williams and the reason why is because as much as i love john williams and he is the best composer of all time, arguably. Um, the track does not fit the rest of the soundtrack, and it's just it's a it's it's a great song on its own. But I I don't even listen to it. I've listened to it, but I don't listen to it as part of the whole thing because it just doesn't fit. It just it's John Williams. It's not John Powell. They're two completely different composers. I, wanna, I need I need to clarify something. The that theme that you're talking about is the one that repeats itself through everything, right? It's like, it's repetitive. I can't. The John Williams or the John Powell? Which one is like the Han theme? It's the one that you hear at the very beginning. It bleeds into the, like, I've listened to the soundtrack a couple times already. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what you're talking about. So, the yeah, the very first song is very much a John Williams song. It's right. Like that whatever that horn, that French horn that he loves to use all the time. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yes, it does get repeated a bit, but mostly it's, it's the John Powell song. And then there's other things in the overall soundtrack. That's, you know, the Imperial March plays like the star Wars theme plays. Like there's a lot of things that play, um, <laughs> duel of the fates. <laughs> like there's you know there's repeated you know classic williams that's interspersed in there and he does a fantastic job but to me like i mean i guess we really only have rogue one to compare it to but um as far as like stand well no yeah yeah rogue one so the standalone star wars music outside of the clone wars and rebels because whoever that composer is is damn fantastic too uh this is this is amazing i love this soundtrack I have to agree, uh, except for that, whatever that theme is that constantly loops itself through some of the songs, it gets, that gets a little annoying. Um, we're probably on the same page about that. That's probably what we're talking about with that yeah. theme. Um, because it, you're right, it, I really don't, I feel like something doesn't fit in a few of those beginning songs, and maybe it's just like the combination of the two together, um, but whatever. It's a small nitpick of, once again, another soundtrack from the Star Wars movie that um, that I've always kind of associated with being such a big experience with Star Wars and its music. Um, yeah. It's it's the movie series that 
um, really got me into soundtracks uh, and and composed music and all that stuff. So it it had a huge impact on me growing up. Uh, I own I own all the albums, you know, not now because you know digital music these days and streaming is the way to go. But um, you, you know, that's John Williams changed changed my life, you know, in that way uh, for appreciation of music and movies and the importance of um, you know, how music makes a scene. So this does that uh, with so many different, so many different tracks uh, throughout the movie. And it just, that's why to me, it really does feel like a real Star Wars movie. It just, it does a well, a nice job of, of weaving that in there. Damn right. All right. So there's a lot of Easter eggs in these, in this, and we're just going to kind of run through them. Um, because, like I said before, the Kasdans really did. So Lawrence Kasdan and his son Jake Kasdan, um, who wrote the movie, who also wrote what? Lawrence Kasdan also wrote Empire, Jedi, Jedi and Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Yep. So uh, you know they threw in some deep cuts. So first of all, L three getting put into the ship. Could be a throwback when in Empire, um, C-3PO says, Sir, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar dialect. To me, that makes no sense because L3 talked in basic. So it just it's a weird thing, and, and I don't know if I, ca- I, I really believe that one, but it was thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like we discussed. It's, it's one of those, is, if it's a retcon thing, is the fan retcon thing? Who knows? But the fact that Kazan did write the script for the, these two movies could have just been something he wrote in there, you know, just to, to do it. But you're right. I mean, if L3 was such a powerful character, why why doesn't she speak through the, the ship? You, know, you yeah. would expect that in, in a Star Wars universe. So it's kind of a weird thing you kind of got to let go. But. Yeah. Um, you, know, ba- you know, the dice, obviously... That was thrown in there. Everyone knows that. Can I ask about the dice? The dice, the dice has always been there through the movies, right? Was it in the original trilogy? Yes, I, it is. Right, it's hanging there. Okay, yep. it's something that I had never really noticed until they made it a bigger deal in the new movies. So maybe I've, maybe I saw it. Of course, I probably saw it growing up, but it didn't really click to me until more recently. Last Jedi, of course. But. Yeah, um, there's a reference to uh, a, v- a VCX uh, 100 model ship, um, which is the ghost ship from Rebels. So, and I know I read an interview with Jake Kasdan, uh, the son, who said that he did work a lot with Pablo Hidalgo, um, one of the head storytellers at, at uh, for Star Wars. Um, about throwing in these things naturally, and that's one of them. So th- I thought that that was a really cool uh, reference. Another cr- crazy. Hold on, in one sec. I'm sorry. This is. I mean, they put they put the ghost into you know into Rogue One. So I yeah. mean, it's it's just the willingness to want to cooperate with the rest of the canon and and put these little things for the. the I want to say the real fans because that's kind of insulting, but. Um, I do mean it. Um, fans that are following along with the entire scope of the Star Wars canon now. Yeah, you know, I have 
been on record um, yelling with like Christian Harloff does on on uh, Collider Hero or Collider Jedi Council about how Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars in general doesn't seem to respect the canon. This movie made me shut up a little bit because we're going to save the big one for the end. You guys all know what it is, but this just the willingness to to put in these things and quote unquote bind the galaxy together made me go okay you know they are listening and they are paying attention and they're trying to to do it i mean you know referencing the terrace cassie fighting style which was from a 1997 playstation game that kira uses that not even a good one not even a good one yeah, Kira uses, Darth Maul uses, and Dryden Boss all use that fighting style. I was like, are you kidding me? And they and they called it that. She yeah. also made reference to the Zam sisters, um, yeah. which were two sisters that were introduced in Shadows of the Empire who uh, used that same fighting style. So that was a, what? You know what I mean? Um, which is crazy. Uh, we got a, a Bosque reference. Chris? I just wanted to mention about, you know what? I remember playing that game and I remember just in the, in the, in the EU, how it didn't make sense to anything. <laughs> it's like, <coughs> it was around that time. I just think that when they're just starting to really push everything out and just be like, Hey, 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 here's this, here's this, here's that. And it was kind of when, you know, you started to get convoluted away. So it really blew up. So to kind of bring these kind of, things that people felt were kind of a failure in the past into the, I think in a good way, because there's no reason why a star Wars martial arts shouldn't exist. And why create a new one when you have one in the, you know, in the past. Exactly. Bring yeah. that in. So that was, that was weird. I freaked out in the theater over that little thing. <laughs> like, what's like, what Are you kidding me? I um, didn't catch that. I caught Zan sisters though. I didn't catch the Terrace Gossi, though. It's funny that you did catch that, because I had to go look them up, because I missed the name. I heard Sisters, and I immediately thought about the two sisters in the uh, in the cantina in episode four, when you see that there's like a twin pair of sisters. I was like, oh. but then the mention of Bosk. Um, Bosk. Bosk needs to make his way back into the movies. Um, he they They highlighted him in the cartoons. Uh, Bosque is a formidable bounty hunter in the galaxy, and there's no reason why we won't be seeing him probably in the next either solo film, Boba Fett film, or whatever. He's He's got his due coming. Instead of that goofy look he has on the screen where he hardly moves Empire Strikes Back. Correct. <laughs> what is this thing? Correct. Um, I didn't catch this, but I guess they said, like, Lando says, I hate you, and Han says, I know. You missed that? I didn't catch it. <laughs> Didn't pay attention to it. I lost it. I lost it during that scene. I love that part. One of my favorite Star Wars quotes. Great. Uh, yeah, it was good. Warwick Davis um, came back to play the pirate Weasel. Um, people say that it's the same character from Phantom Menace, um, I guess, who showed up at the pod race and then later goes and joins uh, and his Ness crew. Okay, cool. Very cool. Uh, there, it's amazing how much they actually went back and tied into the prequels. Uh, it's important. It doesn't matter 
really how you feel about the prequels. I mean, the Clone Wars are awesome. The prequels are okay. Prequels are bad. Whatever, you know, it's it doesn't matter. That is it's a ripe ground for farming this kind of stuff. Um, we've had discussions where we don't want that much more exp explanation of what happened during that time period because there is a lot out there. But these little things like this, like the death of Oris thing, um, you know, let's, there's no reason why you can't weave it all together so well, you know, so. I, I do agree with that. Um, there was mention of a big time gangster on the planet Tatooine. <laughs> they can't just say hut. because <laughs> <you know, laughs> It's cool reference, but do they say Jabba the Hutt? No, they say big time gangster. Come on, the Huts, the Huts are one of the biggest crime syndicates in the galaxy. I think it was just a wink, you know. We know, we all know, but uh, I mean, you don't have to wink at something very obvious like that. I'm just saying. Uh, other things that got mentioned, um, there was, uh, you know, in the Lando Calrissian Adventures book, it, as you had mentioned before, and uh, Lando does his dictating. <laughs> Um, which I thought was really good. He mentions the Star Cave Nebula, which is a reference to Lando Calrissian and the Star Cave of Thumbaka. So that's a deep cut um, from that book. Uh, we also see a crystal skull, which some people thought was a reference to Indiana Jones, but in fact comes from Han Solo and the Lost Legacy book, uh, where we get to see a big crystal skull on the cover of that. Um, Another deep cut to Splinter of the Mind's Eye, where we have the planet Minbom, which was introduced in that book, uh, which was pretty cool, which we then see as far as the battle is concerned. I always thought it was interesting that Alan Dean Foster wrote that book as if it would have been treated as a sequel movie, that they he wrote it so that scenes could be easily translated into film. Uh, and Splinter of the Mind's Eye is a very strange story um but you know what it's one of the first it is the first eu book i believe which is huge you know so just saying same thing like same thing in um same thing in rogue one with vader's castle you know they're really borrowing from this from these old old eu books uh and and giving us things that that weren't really expanded on too much in in previous um you know canon so we'll We'll see where this goes because this is um, why I like this movie in Rogue One so much because uh, they do a better job of really expanding things. And of course, Ralph McQuarrie concept art, which Rebels, you know, mind a lot too, but they put it in there. Um, and then Tag and Bink aren't dead. Um, from the Tag and Bink are dead, uh, Kevin Rubio comic. The characters were supposed to be in this movie, but they must have got cut for time because they they didn't they weren't they are not in it. But yeah. not the not the picture that Ron Howard showed us. You know, they were in their imperial costumes, um, officer costumes. Yeah, uh, people were like oh maybe it was the stormtroopers at the beast pit. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I think that scene just got cut. I think it did. I think it did. I think we'll see. A lot of nice extras. Hopefully, yep. in lieu of uh, where they treat the last Jedi extras, so it'd be great. And then finally, 
the biggest, uh, which was Darth Maul. <laughs> they are out of control. <laughs> what? They, they go, you know what? There really was this gray area of Darth Maul's life during this time period that we thought we could really just work it in. And they did. And it's like, it makes so much sense to me. I, it didn't take me out of it. It took me a second to really realize, like, to like for my brain to work out the fact that that was Darth Maul because I was like, oh, look, it's, a, <laughs> it's a, whatever. I forgot what Darth Maul's race is, but. Um, Darth Miriam? Zabrick. Zabrick. I was like, it's oh, a Zabrick. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that looks like Ray Park. I was like, why does that sound like Sam Whitmer? So, and then he pulls out the lightsaber just to reaffirm it for everybody, like as if he had to do that. And that was cheating, like, in my They opinion. did it. They did it so that people were like, oh, that is Darth Maul instead of, you know. But um, if you are not just a movie watcher, if you're just a movie watcher, you might hate this scene. And um, I've talked to some people about this. And there's this guy that comes into our restaurant all the time. He he like he's a nerd. He likes going to these movies, but he's one of those nerds that is never happy with things. And I just I just kind of cut the situation after a while. The worst kind of nerd. And that's the kind of thing. Like those are the kind of people that I just if you don't if you don't have a full understanding of everything that's going on with what Disney's doing with Star Wars, then maybe it's time to get off the train because it's for. These movies are starting to be really for the fans. It's like, yeah, a normal moviegoer can enjoy these movies and have a good time. But if you're there you're and you want to sit there and really question what's going on or why did they make this decision? And if you have that kind of brain power, then go out there and read some canon. Get out there, watch The Clone Wars. See why a character like Darth Maul actually does fit very well into this movie. I'll stop there. No, I, I think, you know, I was like, I wasn't shaking like I was when Vader came at no. the end of Rogue One, but I was I definitely had goosebumps and I definitely was like, I cannot believe this is happening right now. Um and I just it that right there, that scene is what clinched it for me to say, okay, they get it. They're listening to the fans, they're making it organically make sense. I said they're not shitting on the prequels. Because they're bringing them. I mean, they don't do it in the cartoons, but that's because Dave Filoni worked with George Lucas. You know what I mean? The dude is mini George Lucas. Like, he gets it. But um, for the movies, they've been shitting on the prequels. And this was like, okay. Uh, you know, they, they got it. And um, it opens up, again, like what you said, world building, whatever. It opens up a lot of different avenues as to what would we see in a sequel? What would we see in a Boba Fett movie? If we, you know what I mean? Depending on what time period this movie takes place and what we're going to talk about next, which is what even happens after this with a $104 million opening, we might not ever see a sequel to Han Solo. We might not ever see a Boba Fett movie. They might be looking at themselves right now and going, people don't care about these characters like we thought that they were going to do and we thought it was just going to be a paycheck and i don't think that way you don't think that way but 
when a casual moviegoer goes, why is Darth Vader or Darth Maul in this movie? And it just seems tacked on. I read that over and over again in reviews. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I think that the existence and the birth of this streaming service is going to change the way that they handle things. Uh, especially if they do decide to treat this, this, this opening weekend as negative. Unfortunately, they may, and they may think that they have to change the way they do things, but at the same time, they don't um, because they did do something right here, and unfortunately, it's getting bad press. Uh, it's been, it had been getting bad press. I mean, they, they, they're smart. They'll look at all these things, and they're going to they – should, they should just – you know, they should notice the difference in, in tone about how people talk about this film compared to Last Jedi. And kind of like decide where they want to go from there. Because I don't think they made a mistake with this movie. Um, as much as we want to complain about how we didn't need this movie, I'm glad it exists. And I want to, you know, it's like, what if they did do an awesome Bubba Fett movie? What if they did do an awesome, like, whatever movie? You know, it's just, I don't want them to to take one failure as a failure. It's not. It's, 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 you did something wrong. But if you can learn from it and and if this movie makes enough money to be, to justify it you know if it makes its money back or whatever justice league made its money back you know it's like i don't think it's going to make it i don't think it's going to make its money back honestly. what does it have to make probably 500 million because um it's the most expensive one because of those reshoots Oh yeah, so they, I, don't, I don't think it's going to, and that's the problem is that now you you see, and I noticed you do notice kind of like how much of a presence Kathleen Kennedy has, and now she's going to probably have to have more of one to stop the situation from ever happening again. Like they're going to have to really just kind of watch. Yeah, um, in your opinion, do you think we're going to see a Han Solo sequel? I don't know. We'll see after one week and that kind of that kind of bad box office. I don't want to talk about it yet. We'll talk about it in a month. We'll talk about it after DVD sales. You know, uh, this movie might pick up steam, like we said after after the first week of people talking about it. Friends convincing their friends to go. You know, Star Wars fans convincing other Star Wars fans who don't want to see it to go. Who knows? Influx incoming, hopefully. So let's rank it compared to the other Star Wars films. Yeah. You want me to go? Um, I have mine already. If you yeah, you go on. Yeah. So, do, do, do. Phantom Menace is the worst. Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, uh, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, Solo, Force Awakens, Empire, A New Hope, Return of the Jedi. So Solo's right there in the middle for me. Cool. Um, right. Yeah, you go. Uh, Attack of the Clones is the worst movie I've ever watched in my life. I cannot turn that movie on and finish it anymore. The Phantom Menace is ten times better than that movie. Period. I, it's, a, it's my opinion, but it is. Rewatch Attack of the Clones, everybody, and tell me I'm wrong. I, I have. That movie is fucking horrid. That's the only time I'm going to swear it in this podcast. It, uh, you swore before. It but. is the worst. 
and it's just the 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 dialogue and the and the and the lack of expression, the lack of the lack of acting from these 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 A actors. It's just like when Natalie Portman's there, not giving a shit about what she's doing. It's just like okay, I'm done with this. Okay, uh, Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Um, exactly. Yeah, Solo, Solo and Rogue One sit in the middle for me because I really feel about the same about both those movies. And then it's Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Last Jedi is is I like these I like these standalone movies better than The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. Both standalone movies. Let me, let me do it. Yeah, I do. Um, so, Attack of Clones, Phantom Menace, Avengers: The Sith, The Last Jedi, the two standalones. Force Awakens. No, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens. I feel the same about both movies. Those both those movies give me the same feels. Um, and then A New Hope and Empire. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's different. I um The Last Jedi is a good movie, but as much yeah. as I can defend it, it didn't do what I wanted. And I know that's not fair to say to Ryan Johnson and everybody else, is but at some point you have to to placate and you don't have to just blatantly spit in the faces of thirty years of fandom and Luke deserve better and i you know what and that movie drops in its rank for me every time i watch it oh i don't i don't finish it you know i started yeah, I, and I'm i don't like, know about that <laughs> i don't i i i can't watch it in one sitting it's it's good but it's not like oh my god everybody starts back on tv again i'm gonna sit here <laughs> gonna sit through these commercials just to watch this movie. <laughs> so you know it's it's there's a big there's a big how will these movies do with time as well? So, and when everything else gets pushed up against it. Yeah, agreed. So, what do you? Any closing thoughts on on uh, Solo? No. Get out there if you haven't seen it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you just listened to the show, but <clears throat> um, you guys loved it. I would suggest going to see it again. Let's get those those numbers up in the box office. A lot of movies, you know, they benefit from repeat viewing, repeat, they benefit largely by word of mouth. So, you know, <clears throat> there's so much hate on the internet. Uh, if you read a review about it and you're kind of on the fence, go, go make your own opinion. That's, that's all I can ask these days for people to do. It's like, don't get in that crowd uh, mentality. Just, if you, if you like having fun at the movies, this movie won't steer you the wrong. No, nope. I I said it in the Gourmet Scum Radio. I said it's it's the most fun Star Wars movie since A New Hope, in my opinion. Because yeah. A New Hope set up some things, but at its core, it's just a fun adventure movie. It's yeah. not until Empire when things start getting really heavy and they continue to stay that way forever. <laughs> I Jedi's, mean, Jedi's fun. Jedi is fun, but still he's got to deal with his right. dad and, yeah. you know, like there's still some, you know, the sister thing, like there's still some heavy elements. This is not yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, no, no, absolutely. I, it is the most fun I've had watching a Star Wars movie in theaters because 
if you think about when you watch the, the original movies in theater, we've seen them. So it's not like new and it's like, you right. know, we know what's happening. So I'm sure watching those for the first time ever in a theater is mind blowing, uh, especially back in the 70s, you know, 70s, 77. And um, but this this is this is the best Lucasfilm movie I've watched. Better than you didn't, but you ranked to Force Awakens. I thought higher. It, it exactly. But every time I watch the Force Awakens, it grows in my list too. I didn't like the Force Awakens that much when I watched. I it. remember. I liked it, <laughs> but it's like it is a movie that does grow on you, just like the Last Jedi kind of grains on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, I want like I want to have fun when I go to the movies. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the big thing these days. So. Um. All right. Well, so where can you find us? Uh, check out don'tforgetatowel.com. Uh, it's your weekly, daily, 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 daily. Uh, source for weekly news, reviews, interviews, and more. Check out Star Wars Sundays on our social medias as well. We do uh, Star Wars every Sunday. Sometimes we actually write Star Wars articles if uh, there's something to write about. So, uh, Star Wars fan, check us out. And then uh, also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Darn right. And um, coming up on episode 100 of the podcast, coming up on six years of the show, we'll be doing a Geekly giveaway um, in July uh, as well. In case you didn't notice from the audio quality, Chris and I do not live in the same place. Uh, We live actually across country from each other, but we'll be together uh, in July. So we'll be recording some episodes. and. you know, doing another cross gourmet scum episode as well. Um, but you know, around that time, we'll we'll get closer to our uh, our big announcement for what we're going to do for the giveaway. So, thank you guys for listening as usual. Uh, you know, shoot first when you go out there. <laughs> this is Chris. <laughs> May the force be with you. Peace.